Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message. Joke. And uh, I certainly got a few years head start on that too. My wife would attest to that. If there's a moment, I make that joke and it's all okay. But uh, this Father's Day is certainly special to me because it is my first Father's Day. And uh, so it's one of those, those really awesome things that you just get to move forward with in life and see how, like, this is the first of many. And I'm just honored to be a dad in this. And if, whether you're a dad in this room to somebody or you're a spiritual father or somebody, whatever it looks like, men, we want to thank you. We want to honor you for just being you and who God has made you on this earth. So I can't think of a more appropriate way to show honor to all the men in the room than free beef sticks. So on your way out, if you're a guy in the room, uh, you can grab some beef sticks on the way out. Pastor Dave and Doreen will be passing them out to you guys. We've got some fun different flavors. I will warn you, the ones that say wild heat, they're actually hot. Some things when they say they're hot aren't. These ones actually are, and it's absolutely fantastic. So today I want to talk to you guys about joyfulness. I love joy. I think joy is a great thing. Maybe you're familiar with this song from when you were a little bit younger, and it goes, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my Thank you. Thank you. I got one person who really knows the song. So I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay Joyfulness stays and starts from the heart, and it starts from our relationship with the Lord. But sometimes, joyfulness seems like it's not there. You ever have a moment in your life where you just feel like your joy was sucked out of you, and you cannot find it? I want to talk to you guys about a guy in the Bible. If you're a Bible reader, you're probably familiar with the story. Or if you at least grew up with Veggie Tales, you're probably familiar with this one too. And this is the man who's known as Jonah. See, Jonah had to walk through a season of brokenness because God asked him to do something that if you're familiar with the story, you know he did not want to do. Now, there's still one thing in my life that I just genuinely, there's plenty of things I don't like doing. But there's one thing, above all, that I absolutely, positively hate doing. And some of you will understand this. Others will absolutely be on the opposite side of this. But I remember as a kid, my dad, when I, was, when I was old enough, I was old enough to do this one thing. And you were excited to do this as a kid. Some of you already know where this is going. You were excited to do this as a kid. You had that little tykes one, you would follow dad around, and it'd be great until you actually had to do it. Mowing the yard. I hate lawn maintenance absolutely, positively hate it. Yet at the same time, I take pride in how it looks at the end of it. It's a catch-22, perfectly. Like, I love yard lines. Like those stripes, you know, when you perfectly mow it and back and forth. Like, I love that. It just looks so clean, so nice. But I hate making them. It's, it's just, yeah, but, you know... So it's one of those things that I'm never happy to do it. And maybe you had to do it growing up, and you were a little bit reluctant to do it. And your dad's like, hey, you need to go, and you need to mow the yard. Like, but dad, I don't want to. 
But you go and you do it, and you're grumpy the entire time. I sweat a little less back then. I had hair to catch it, which really helped. But here's the thing. You know, you're mowing, and I'm just grumpy. And my parents, you know, had the yard. It was, it was nice because it was nice to have a yard growing up. But at the same time, I really, really hated mowing the yard. And I still do to this day. I still do it, but now at least I got headphones and I can listen to stuff. Because back then, that's just when the iPod and stuff was coming out. And, you know, there's the Walkman and whatnot, but you weren't all about that. So mowing the yard like that really taught me something important. It is, it is possible to be obedient with a disobedient spirit. It is possible to be obedient with a disobedient spirit. Because do you think I was pushing that lawnmower joyfully, skipping along? Like, oh boy, I can't wait to do this again next week. No, no, I would have ran you over with the mower. That wasn't me. I was not happy. I was disobedient while being obedient. And through that, I was robbing myself of joy. Because we can find joy in obedience when we're obedient to Christ. And Christ commands us to honor our father and our mother. And we'll live a long life. And the Bible is very clear about these things. But sometimes this is, I'm so grumpy. I just don't want to do what somebody's asking me to do. Somebody who's in authority over me to do. I could be disobedient with my heart, but obedient with my actions. So does that make me obedient? So here's the thing. I can listen to God and be joyful in it. I can listen to God and be joyful in it. See, sometimes we have to pray for joy. See, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. We have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. That means there's something that grows within us when we have the Spirit within us. We can find joy at all times and all things, especially when it comes to listening to God. Because I can be joyful when I listen to God. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to Jonah chapter 2. We're going to skip the first chapter. If you guys want to go back and read this, honestly, Jonah does not take long to read. It's a perfect read to go and read on the hammock out back or whatever you're doing. It really doesn't take long. It is not a long book. So Jonah chapter 2, starting with verse 1. And we're going to pick up from Jonah, who already said no to God at this point. Jonah already ran from God at this point. And now Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. It doesn't say whale, it just says big fish. So leave it up to your imagination what type of fish. It could be a giant clownfish. Whatever floats your boat didn't float his. Bad joke. <laughs> so Jonah chapter 2 picks up with Jonah inside of the belly of this fish. And it says, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. And I called to the Lord in my distress. And he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside shale. And you heard my voice. And when you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. 
The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. And I swank to the, or I swam, I have a typo, it says I swank. That's not the word. I swam to the foundations of the mountains. And the earth's gates shut before me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. First off, that's a pretty mighty prayer to say from the inside of a belly of a fish, don't you think? But man, Jonah was in a tough spot. He was in an absolute, positively tough spot. But see, Jonah didn't avoid Nineveh from fear. It's easy to read this story and think that Jonah got to his point because he was afraid of the Ninevites. But here's the thing. He avoided Nineveh because he knew that God would have mercy on the Ninevites and not destroy them. If you were here the other week, we talked about how we're not supposed to judge others because we're condemning them to hell. Jonah was literally doing just that. A prophet of the Lord was doing the thing the Lord is asking us not to do. He did not go to Nineveh because he did not want the Ninevites to receive forgiveness because he felt that in his spirit they were undeserving of God's mercy and grace. He ran from God because he knew what God was going to do and he didn't like it. If only we as Americans knew what it was like when God was trying to do something and I didn't like it so I tried doing something else myself. Because he knew that God would do the one thing he didn't want. Because to Jonah, he felt like the Ninevites were getting exactly what they deserved. Exactly what he thought they deserved. But God said no. So Jonah ran. And I'd say his life took a turn. It really went uh, a little south. Some would say he went belly up. But the situation is, Jonah found himself in a situation that was pretty stinky. He was inside the stomach of a fish. Sorry, I'm done with the dad jokes. <laughs> Tim's back there dying. So here's the thing. Jonah really was in a bad spot. He was not going to do this because he did not want God to move. See, Jonah is one of the two Bible stories I genuinely don't like. I'm like, well, how can you not like a Bible story? The reason why I don't like it is because every time I read it, part of me gets convicted again. Does anybody really like being convicted? No. But that's what the part that got, we open these stories up and that's the point. God says, hey, I'm going to move inside of you. See, today I have to ask you, I have to ask me, am I Jonah? Am I Jonah? Are you Jonah? Do we know what God is asking of us? And am I working towards it or am I running from it? Because I don't want God to move in that way. So as I said, Jonah isn't a long story. If you really haven't read this story, I do want to encourage you to go and read it and not just go off your memory from maybe growing up in church or what you just may recall from it. Really, truly go and read this. 
Because you can read this entire book so quick, and you will notice how Jonah leaves things off with God. The book of Jonah concludes with Jonah being angry at God. That's how the book ends. The dude is angry with God. We don't know how things played out for Jonah afterwards. And I think it's interesting that we can follow a prophet like Jonah and see his frustration with God, with what God was asking him to do and him fighting it, but he still was trying to be obedient with it. And see, Jonah didn't find the joy in that moment. He had joy in moments, but not through it all. See, church, we can listen to God and we can be joyful in it. I can be joyful when I listen to God. You can be joyful when we listen to God. See, Jonah was like us as children when we reluctantly did what our parents asked us, like mowing the yard. We knew what the right thing was to do. But maybe I put it off, you know, played video games a little longer than I should have, or spent some time watching more TV, you know? And I think sometimes we still do that as adults. Like, yeah, I'll get to it later. But now it's, I only get in trouble with myself. See, Jonah knew what God was asking him to do. And Jonah found himself in a miserable place. Because when you run from what God is calling you to do, you're not going to find joy. You may have moments of joy, but you will not find and live and walk in joy. Because when God is asking me to do something, I need to do it. See, Jonah was obedient, but he wasn't happy about it. The adult version of this would be when you don't like a decision your boss makes at work, and you have to support it. Do you ever have to support a decision your boss made that you're like, I don't know if I agree with this, but you have to throw a smile on and you have to do it because what happens if you don't? You lose your job. I mean, that's typically what would have happened. So that's the adult version of that one. Because you know sometimes that they're right or they're in the position to say this is what has to be done. And sometimes I can fight doing that. Because it's not necessarily what I want. But yet we pray saying, God, let your will be done. But when God is asking us to do something in accordance to his will, I say no. And I only become a hypocrite. I say I'm walking away from the joy that you're promising me. I'm walking away from saying yes to your spirit and your joy and your peace and your patience in my life because I'm rejecting who God is. Imagine being so stuck on ourselves and my relationship with God that I don't know how to look at a person through the eyes of Jesus, that I don't know how to look at a person and recognize that they need redemption, that they need grace, that they need love, that they need forgiveness. Imagine being so full of myself that I can't see a person the way Jesus sees them. We've been touching on this for the last couple of weeks, what it means to look at a person with loving eyes, with grace and mercy, even when they don't live a way that I would live or believe a thing that I believe. How do I move past myself? to see the people of this community the way Jesus sees the people of this community. See, Jonah didn't do that. It took his situation where he had to find himself in a place of brokenness 
to finally be able to say, God, you're coming first. See, sometimes we have to find ourselves in that broken place, a place where we collapse, a place where we say, God, I don't know what's happening anymore and I can't handle this anymore. I've been running from what you were saying and I can't do it anymore. I'm surrendering my life to you. Psalms chapter 30, verses 3 through 5. It says, Lord, you brought me from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. Sing to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and praise his holy name. For his favor lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. See, Jonah, you could tell he was a prophet. He knew the Psalms. He knew the words of the Lord. He knew what came before him. And he was singing and praying this prayer from David. There's joy in the morning. See, I can listen to God and be joyful in it. But here's the reality of it. See, sometimes we have to step into that place of brokenness. Maybe you're in a place of brokenness right now. Maybe you were in a place of brokenness. Maybe you remember that place of brokenness. If you were here last week or you listened to last week's message, we talked about the importance of building monuments that way our children and grandchildren, the next generation of believers, would come to know the testimonies of what God has brought me through. See, that moment of brokenness is a testimony of what God is doing in your life or is going to do in your life or what he has done in your life. So prepare to build a monument to the testament of what God is going to do whether you're in a place of brokenness now or you were or you will be. And just because you're in a season of brokenness doesn't mean God put you there. But God is certainly not going to leave you in a place of brokenness. Do you want proof? Of course you do. I would. Jonah was a prophet, a man of God, and he chose not to do what God asked of him, right? And he knew what God was ultimately going to do with the Ninevites. But because of his own selfishness, he determined himself that they were undeserving of God's mercy. Yet God sent a fish as a moment of redemption for Jonah. What's your fish? I hope it's not a real fish. Maybe it is. But in our moment of brokenness, what is the fish that God is sending to saying, hello, here I am. Do you see me now? Do you see that I've been here? Do you see what I've been asking? Why are you running from the goodness that I have promised you? Promised others. Have you ever looked at somebody and said they don't deserve God's mercy? I know I have. Maybe you've done it this week. Maybe you've done it this morning. Hopefully you're not doing it right now. (laughs) But we all look at someone and say, you know, they've messed up way too much. They're not going to be in heaven. There's no chance they're going to come to know Jesus. When we write somebody off, we are doing just that. When we say there's no way they're going to come to know Christ, I'm writing their name off. See, 
See, I can listen to God and be joyful in it, unlike Jonah. When does anybody really want to be like Jonah in this moment? I don't. I don't want to be that guy that says, all right, I know exactly what God wants to do, so I'm going to go over here and do the opposite. It's going to be great. I'm just going to run, and it didn't work for anybody before. It certainly didn't work for anybody later. One way or another, God is going to get your attention, and he is going to move you through the path that he has designed for you. But of course, he's not going to make you. But there's a promise that comes when we do it. Goodness and mercy will follow. Because ultimately, we need to look through the lens of God. The people of this community, the people God is asking us to share his faith with, or share our faith with, of who he is, the steps and the living moments that he is asking us to move through, the actions, I can choose to listen and honor and obey God in them, or I can choose to ignore them. Want another example of somebody doing the opposite thing? Let's look right there at Peter. He denied Christ, yet he was later known as the rock on which the church will be built. That's redemption. I certainly would like to say that the story of Peter is a reflection of Jonah, where he found joy through Christ. We see the same thing again with Saul, Paul. We see it time and time again where God is a God of redemption. God is a God of second chances. And we must move past the situations from our past. We must move past the brokenness inside. We must move past the things that we have inside of us that we're saying, God, no, I'm not doing that. To saying, God, let me do exactly what you're asking me to do. And sometimes it's clear, sometimes it's not. Because it's very easy to say, God, I have no idea what you want me to do. And in those moments, I'll tell you exactly what God's asking us to do. He's asking us to live faithfully. When we see a moment to share his faith, to share it. I've said this before and I'll say this again, that it is never outside of God's will to share his goodness with others. So maybe you're saying, well, I'm not sure what God's wanting me to do. Well, God is certainly not wanting you to keep Jesus to yourself. And keep doing that faithfully until God gives you a specific. And maybe that is exactly your specific. Because you're in a place of work, you're in a place of employment, you're in a place where wherever you go, I'm not, and your neighbor's not. Whoever you came with may not be. You are uniquely in a place where you could be the Jonah to the Ninevites. Am I going to shy away from telling them about the goodness of God? Or am I going to do exactly what God is asking me, and I'm going to walk into it with certainty and courage and faith in knowing how Jesus can move? Because Jesus is for everyone. See, Jonah put himself in a place of brokenness because of his choices. It's amazing how when we land in a place of brokenness, we are so quick to blame others. He's even quick to blame God, right? Have you ever blamed God for something, saying, God, why are you doing this to me? I have. It's so easy when I'm in a place of life that is terrible to say this is somebody else's fault. And I can't take ownership, or sometimes I made the bad choice too. See, that's the thing with free will. Your free will affects mine, and my free will affects yours. At the end of the day, I'm responsible for me, and I get to choose how I'm going to honor God in the good circumstances and the bad circumstances. See, God did not and will not leave you in that place of brokenness alone. I think of Daniel in the lion's den. 
I'd say that's a place of brokenness. He was in a place where literally following God's will, he found himself in a pit with lions. He should have been broken a lot more than he was. But see, God protected him. And the testimonies that came out of that are astronomical. See, when Jonah decided to flee from God, he risked the life of each person on the boat because of his actions. Jonah's decision to disobey God put others at risk. Sometimes we think about it this way. Well, if I'm not doing what God asks, it only affects me. God will do something else and somebody else will go. Somebody else will do this thing. But see, when I'm not doing what God's asking me to do, I could be putting somebody else at risk. More bluntly, if I'm not the person who shares my faith, but God has designed me to share my faith with this exact person, and I don't do it, I'm hurting them by letting them never hear the message of the gospel, and they will burn in eternity instead of live in glory. That's pretty real. When I choose to not act on what God is asking me to do, somebody else will feel it too, whether I realize it or not. It took the boat to throw Jonah out. And those on the boat knew that there was something wrong, right? You ever just know when something's wrong, something feels off? And you can't put a finger on it until you get to later on, you're like, ah, that's what was happening. So this is what happened with the boat. They're like, this is no ordinary storm. They knew that this was an act of God. Even when they were people that didn't follow God, they knew that this was not a normal situation. And it took the boat to throw Jonah out. And Jonah had to take full responsibility for this. And it's easy to read the story and say that Jonah's moment of brokenness happened while he was in the whale. But the truth is, it started the book off broken. You had to be in a broken place to say no to God in the first place. Because when we're walking in wholeness, I'm not going to say no to God. Because I'm walking in his wholeness. I'm walking as an image, a reflection of who he is. But when I am walking and living in brokenness, it is so much easier to see it through a shattered lens. A distorted reality of saying, well, this is the same thing, so why can't I go and do this somewhere else? To church, we need to learn, I need to learn, you need to learn that I can listen to God and be joyful in it. May we not be like Jonah, where our selfishness puts those who are in our boat in a place where they have to throw us out. Let's use a car as an example. A car needs maintained, right? And if you don't keep maintenance up, such as oil changes, eventually things will run low. Right now, my car has the light that says change your oil, and if I don't change my oil tomorrow, I'll be in trouble next week. Because when we ignore these things, it creates a place of brokenness, and brokenness amplifies the damage. So many of you, probably all of you may know what exactly will happen if I don't put oil in my car. It'll be a lot more expensive, first off, but it'll take time. And see, I would have to then sacrifice my car for an extended amount of time 
Or maybe entirely because I didn't take the time to make sure the proper things were inside of my car, that it was maintained and moving forward appropriately according to the manufacturer's guide, according to what my car is literally telling me. It literally says change oil soon. Not now, soon, so tomorrow. See, the machine, the damage will catch up with the brokenness. This is what happened to Jonah. I don't know what happened to Jonah before. I don't know what happened to Jonah after. I don't know what brought Jonah to a place where he was willing to say no to God. I don't know what place Jonah was in when the book concluded and he left angry with God. It's easy to say Jonah was living in bitterness because he didn't want people that he felt undeserving to experience Christ. So I can listen to God and be joyful. This is one of those times where you look at the Bible and say, this is what I'm not doing. Because I firmly believe that this is exactly why this book is in the Bible. Because Jonah is here to show us that I can be obedient with a disobedient heart, but that's not where I should be. That's not where I should be. Jonah's brokenness began to grow. And it peaked while he was inside the fish. And it took his solitude of time with God inside of this fish to finally come to a place where he recognized his brokenness and he recognized that he needed to get up and move and do something to do the exact thing that God was asking him to do and that he was fighting against and saying, I will not do that. I cannot do that. I will walk the other way. See, look at this conclusion of this prayer inside of the fish. And it says, but as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It does not belong to me. It does not belong to you. It is not up for me to decide who receives and who rejects salvation. See, Jonah knew that he must uphold what he said and that he would do as a follower of God and as a prophet. Jonah's sin was literally rocking the boat. He had to get to a point where there was nothing left to lose. Maybe you're at that point. See, here's the thing. I know I said this again, so I don't need a spoiler alert, but Jonah still was angry with God. He did what he knew God was asking him to do, yet he remained angry. There's a quote by a woman named Anne Lamott. And it says, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. I'm going to read that again. That's, that's too good not to. You can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. See, Jonah hated the Ninevites. And he said, surely God, you don't want me to, to tell them like, you must hate them too. I hate them. And see, when there's somebody in our culture, in our life, that I say, well, I hate them, or I dislike them, I'm going to walk away from them, I'm going to reject them. When I say that that is okay and justify it by my faith and say God's okay with me rejecting this person, then you have successfully created a false God in your life. That's a hard thing to swallow, just like Jonah was. Sorry. I promise that was my last dad joke. <laughs> but the real question is, am I Jonah? Am I creating a God 
that reflects the things that I, I hate, I like? Am I only selecting certain pages out of my Bible and saying, well, this is the God I'm serving, so I'm going to go and do this instead? Or are we going to move in joy as we move in what God is asking us to do? And see, only you know what God is asking you to do. So the person you're sitting next to has no idea whether or not you might be walking in sin or walking away from God or doing the opposite of what he's asking. Because God is speaking directly to you. And if you say, well, God's not speaking to me. Well, are we spending time in our word? Are we spending time in prayer and worship and devotion with him faithfully each day? How is God going to speak to you if you're not spending time with him? How is God going to move in you when you don't give him permission? See, even in Jonah's brokenness, his actions followed what God was asking, but his heart remained full of anger. May we not reflect Jonah in this way. But what if we, as Christians, decided to not only listen to God, but to be joyful in it too? Not feeling joy? Pray for joy. Saying, God, I'm not feeling what you're asking me to do right now. Please give me joy to do this. Please give me a heart after you to do this. Am I Jonah? Am I being obedient to God with a heart full of anger? See, here's the prayer we have to pray. And it's a daily prayer for many of us. This isn't a, let's come up to the altars and pray over you and then that's it and it's done. This is a daily prayer to say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for the people that break your heart, for the community that breaks your heart. Allow me to walk in faithfulness with what you are asking of me. See, Jonah was arrogant and he was prideful and the result of his actions impacted many. Do I want to be Jonah? Do you want to be Jonah? Tim, you can throw some music on. See, no matter how bad our sin gets, God does not withhold a way out of our sin from us. See, temptation leads to sin and sin leads to death, right? The thing with temptation is there's always a way out. There's always a way to say no. And we can make a decision before we move into sin. See, even Jesus was tempted, so we know that temptation is not sin. It's the action that follows it that moves us into sin. So it's not wrong to say, God, I really don't want to do this. It's wrong when I don't. And when we sin, we might not recognize it, but that does not mean that there's no earthly repercussions for it. Sometimes there are, sometimes there aren't. But I certainly don't want to experience the heavenly repercussions for it. Because even though I still might find myself in glory one day, the person I fail to share with might not. That's a repercussion I don't want to live with. See, God's mercy doesn't always look like what we expect it to be. Jonah received mercy in the form of sitting inside a fish for three days. That was mercy. Undeserved mercy. May we receive mercy from God 
when we desire to do something other than his will. May we receive that course correction that gives me the opportunity to follow after him, to move. So I don't know the specifics of your life and what God might be asking you to do, who God might be laying on your heart even right now to say, there's who I want you to share my love with. You do. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take just a minute. Tim, I'm going to ask you, just want to throw this music up a little higher in just a moment. And for each of us, take a moment and ask God, what are you asking me to do? And if you walk out with that answer today, write it down. Follow after it. But if you don't, Pray that prayer each day because I firmly believe that God will not withhold that answer from you. Let's take that moment right now. that you reveal your will to each one of us. Not just this morning, not just this moment, but each day of our lives. That we can wake up and say, God, what are you asking of me today? And that you give us the ability and the joy to say yes to your call, yes to your will, yes to being joyfully obedient to what you are leading us to do. That this community that you have called us to may come to know you. Allow us to not be like Jonah. But if we fail, that you provide us that grace, that same mercy that you gave him. But you allow us to do so with joy, not anger. Allow us to hear you throughout this weekend in our time of prayer and devotions as we continue to grow in our relationship with you. God, we love you. We bring you glory and honor on this Father's Day because there is no Father and there is no God like you. Allow us to bring you glory and honor and praise to your name as we leave this place. That we could walk in joy as we walk and work in your will. Be with us today and this week until we come back together as a church. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. Remember, I can listen to God and be joyful in it. Find something to do this week that brings you joy and bring God and do God together at the same time because I guarantee you that God wants to provide you with joy whether you're feeling it or not. 
For all the fathers and guys in this room, I want to wish you all a happy Father's Day as you may celebrate with your families or whatever you're doing. May you have a great day. And don't forget, we do have some beef sticks on your way out. So enjoy and have a very happy Father's Day. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.